love, glad that you are here. On the way into all of our services, you're given the notes, and if you want to go ahead and get those out, uh, we'll teach from them in just a second while you do that. Let me welcome all of our campuses, Lone Tree, Highlands Ranch, Castle Rock, Lakewood, our online campus, and all the folks that will be listening uh, to this message. However, you're a part of the greater JFC family. We're glad that you are, and we do welcome you here this uh, weekend. Um, this weekend also, our junior hires are uh, down sort of in between Denver and Colorado Springs at a camp. And I went this morning um, uh, to, to teach them and to spend some time with them and uh, had, had a blast, man. You got 150 junior hires. Can you imagine that kind of energy and, and that kind of, and I, I just went in, I, I just needed, man, just what they were, they were worshiping, they were just, they were bouncing off the walls, but they were, they were having a great time. Right before I go up to teach, this, this kid walks up to me. And he goes, hey, we were talking last night, and we decided you're the white Oprah. <laughs> the white Oprah? I mean, I don't even have time to ask him, what is that? What are you saying to me? Like, what? And, and the next thing, they're like, and Pastor John's coming to speak right now. So I had to walk away. I don't know what he meant by that exactly. And if you have a word on it, I don't know if I want you to share it with me or not. I don't. I don't even know why I told you that. It stayed with me all the white Oprah. Who says something? A junior higher says something like that right there. <laughs> Had a great time with them, though. Uh, they're in good hands. If you have a, a child that's up there, they're in good hands, and God is doing some really, really cool things there. Uh, while, while we uh, take a look at the notes, on the intro part right there, it's called The Spiritual Life, and as you heard, we're in week three of it. Uh, there's just a little more to go, and then we'll be looking uh, actually... Uh, in moving into a new series, and then before you know it, um, Easter will be upon us here. Uh, the spiritual life, I hope that you're getting something out of this. The reports that I'm getting are really good. We developed an app, and I realized with uh, weather over the past couple of weekends, not everybody's been able to, to be here. And here, here's what's really unfortunate about that. I, I feel like I, I'm so excited to be teaching right now. I always love to teach, but I'm so excited to be teaching right now. And it seemed like in the last couple of weeks, it's just been hit and miss with the weather and this and that. I, I want to encourage you with something that maybe you didn't hear us say. Uh, Pastor Marcus has spent a lot of time developing a really cool app, JFC. That's, that's the name of the app. So if you're on a Google platform, you go to your Google apps. If you're on an Apple platform, you go to Apple apps. Uh, you just... Just get JFC right there. What we've been doing over the past couple of weeks is sending out little push notifications on a day-to-day -day basis of ways that you can practice growing spiritually, things that you can do to make yourself hungry, things that you can do to turn from your flesh and turn more towards your spirit. And uh, I, I uh, just spent some time walking around before the start asking people, hey, are you able to take advantage of it? Are you able to use this? And people were just telling me some really cool stories. So I just want to encourage you one more time. If you don't have it, Take a few minutes and down, do it even right now. If you have your device out, go ahead and download it right now. It's free, and I'll throw this out to you. If you don't see the value of it in a couple of weeks, you can always delete it, right? You can always get rid of it. It's not like it's going to take up uh, space on your, your device that you'll be like, I, I regret doing that. But I promise you this. Um, I, I think it's going to be a useful tool for us to be able to help spiritually connect on more of an ongoing basis throughout the week to do some really cool things. And so I want to encourage you one more time. I think we have about 1,500, 1,600 people that have downloaded it so far. I, I would love to double that. I know that we have uh, that kind of capability and that kind of, uh, of a potential. And I would just encourage you one more time maybe to do that. Uh, last week, uh, the message, what I called when you give, when you pray, when you fast. When you give, when you pray, when you fast. And I actually had several people tell me, I've never even considered 
uh, fasting before pastor. I, some of those things I've just always seen as optional, Old Testament, or maybe somebody that's more spiritual will take care of those things. And that's absolutely here. The point is, when Jesus taught it, he didn't say if. He said when. And he's speaking to believers, all believers. He gets into a whole, a whole thing. So, so I taught on that last week, not in a way that throws the law at you or legalism at you, or if you don't do this, you're not spiritual. Actually, I think in a very encouraging way and in an opportunity to grow, an opportunity to, to really come after a spiritual hunger and to follow after Jesus. And I would encourage you with this. If you didn't hear the message, go to our website, jfc.org, and it's free. It's, it's on there and it's available to you. And I would really encourage you, listen to the message from last weekend. Folks, I think if you go to church here, how many times do you hear me say that? How many times do I ever encourage you to go back and listen to a message I taught? I think it's a critical message in your spiritual life. And as your pastor, if you'll let me be your pastor, please, if you didn't hear the message, go back and listen to it. I think it has, uh, it has something for you that might be intriguing for you. All right, today, going to transition... Uh, uh, for, for this weekend to this message right here. I called it, I want to see. And if you look uh, on, your, on your transition point right there, uh, in my notes I wrote Luke 18. I'm not sure if your notes, my notes have a little more detail. I'm not sure if your notes say the exact same thing. I hung out in, in uh, Luke chapter 18 all week long. Normally I, I kind of have like a systematic way that I read the Bible and I'll spend uh, more time going over. I got, uh, not, not trapped, that's not the way, I, I got captured by Luke 18. And I spent all week long just going over the details of Luke 18 over and over and over and over and over again. I don't know if you've ever done that. Sometimes we just read things to, to, to stay uh, maybe with a, with a plan that we have or we're just trying to be faithful. Here, here's the point. If you read it and can't remember what you read, you, you know it's not doing you much good, right? You, you really, it would be better for you to read one verse and know what it says than to read 10 chapters and not remember any of it. Right, so I just spent all all the whole week in Luke 18, just reading over it, pouring over it, and I, I saw some things that really um, began to speak to me and intrigue me, and I brought it to our teaching team, and I'm I'm going to do a comparison here, of two people who needed to see, and one who could see physically but was unable to see spiritually, and one who couldn't see physically but was able to see spiritually. And I want to give you a comparison. But before we get there, I'm going to split it up a little bit. I'm going to talk about the rich young ruler first. And I'll show you this. So it's from Luke 18 that I actually studied. But uh, it's not only in Luke 18 that you'll find the story. You'll actually find it in Matthew 19. And the reason I point that out to you is that for the note's sake, when it comes to the rich young ruler, I use Matthew 19 because the verbiage there is actually a little clearer. It gets into more depth of something that I want to show you today. So here, here's what I'm hoping for. Uh, whenever we go to teach, there's always two ways to teach. You can teach the idea of like, okay, as a teacher, we stand up and we teach truth and we want people to agree with us. We want people to know more. We want people to get you know, knowledge about Christ and knowledge about the word of God and knowledge for their spirit. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But here, here's, here's a greater level even of teaching for knowledge. There's revelation that can come. And revelation is the ability to see things. Jesus would often, when he was talking to the disciples or talking to a Pharisee, he would make a statement like this. Uh, I would pray that the eyes of your understanding would be open so that you can see. Or he would make the statement to a Pharisee, you have eyes but you can't see. And, and we, we tend to think, well, that, that was for then and there or for someone else. The truth of the matter is, all of us at different times in our life spiritually, we're able to see things really clearly. And then other times, we can't see as clearly. Does that make sense? You ever been there? And it's not like you don't believe it. It's not like that you, you haven't. But sometimes we can just see so clear. That's what spiritual hunger does. It allows you to see and to hear and to feel and to sense much more clearly. 
One of the things that I learned through fasting this week, I never experienced it before, but I really experienced it this week, and it was really cool. You know, when, when you don't do those things, you, there's a tendency just living in this world, you, you, your, your spirit becomes dull to a lot of what the world throws at you. And when you fast and pull yourself back from those things, and you're really, like, plugged into God, it's amazing how sharp your spirit is, and when things from this world come, they're actually more offensive than they are at other times when you're dull. That's being able to see. Does that make sense? And if you're like, I have no idea what you're talking about, the message is for you. For you, you, you. That's exactly, you're, you fit into the diagram of what I would say then. And if you're like, well, I can really see clear, then I want to encourage you. When, when, I, when I teach this message, maybe the thought would be, how do we stay in a place where we can see like that? How does that happen? All right, so, so without any further ado, we'll go ahead and we'll jump into this. So Matthew's gospel then uh, begins here. Uh, Jesus is, uh, is, is talking to a really good guy. This is not some bad guy. Look what this guy says. Uh, just then a man came up to Jesus and he asked, Teacher, uh, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Let me just stop and say, the most important question you can ever ask is that question right there. There are really two questions when it comes to this life for every person spiritually. Number one, what must I do to be saved? Okay, what, 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 what does it take? How does it happen? What, what can I do to inherit eternal life? I, I need this. I want this. That, that's the first, that's the realm of salvation. You've got to settle that issue before anything else. Now, the other realm that we step into after we settle that realm is the realm of why we're here, right? That deals with eternity, but then there's also purpose. So the first question we have to ask is, is, is it possible to be saved? How, how do I go to heaven? It's really asking, who are you, Lord? And then we get the chance to say yes or no to him being the Lord of our life. And when we do, it does determine our destiny eternally. But after we decide who, who is Lord, then we can ask him, what do you want me to do now? So the first one's the realm of salvation. The second one's the realm of power. Many of us never get to the realm of power because we never get past just the simple salvation. This guy comes up, and the most basic, important question he can ask, good teacher, what must I do to get eternal life? So Jesus just kind of puts it back on him. Uh, why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, there is only one who is good. Now this isn't Jesus saying that he's not God. It's getting the guy to try to recognize, why are you coming to me? Do you think that I'm God? Because if you do, I'm about to drop something on you that you need to pay attention to. Can you see? I try hard. Uh, if, if you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones? <laughs> love that this is an honest guy I mean he's already bargaining like three two one seven give me a number <laughs> which ones he inquired so Jesus this is actually bigger than this because you've got the 10 that we're familiar with but if he's an observant Jew which he was he's got 633 he has to pay attention to every day so he actually is asking a legitimate question right here, like, hey, uh, I'm not six, 613, not 633, 613. Which ones, uh, he inquired, Jesus replied, you shall not murder, he's quoting the 10, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, honor your father and mother, love your neighbor as yourself. Kind of goes uh, down through part of the 10 commandments right here. All these I have kept, the young man said, what do I still lack? Now, the next two answers that Jesus gives are absolutely brilliant, but let me just, let me hit on this guy right here. So this guy walks up, he recognizes, here's, here's his confession, uh, something's missing. Uh, he, he already, he's keeping the commandments. 
But he realizes it's not enough because I'm still spiritually empty. Something is wrong with me. I don't feel like I've got it. So he comes to Jesus, and here's what he's hoping. Maybe Jesus can just quickly diagnose this and go, you're, you're okay. It's okay. You're being too hard on yourself. No, no, it's good. So he goes, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Jesus goes, hey, keep the commandments. Which ones? And Jesus goes, okay, let me just list a few of them here. And the guy goes, guess what? I'm keeping all of them. So can you see the momentary happiness in him only to be immediately let back down? Wait a minute. We just came full. I came to you because keeping them is not helping me. And you tell me to keep them? Ah, wait. Something's missing. That's why I came. Now, why in the world would Jesus take him on a circular thought right there? Only to get him to realize. To pull him into, look, you're not seeing something here. You're doing this and it's not working. So let me just remind you, do this. Yo, ah, wait. That's why I came. Oh, you're right. So Jesus answers, look at this. If you want to be perfect, the, the real word here is mature, full, satisfied. You want it? Go sell your possessions. Give to the poor. You will have treasure in heaven and then come follow me. And maybe the saddest words that you can read in scripture. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. He went away sad because he had great wealth. So just a few thoughts here on the first comparison to the rich young ruler. Number one, he asked the most important question in the world that anyone can ask, which is how can I be saved? How can I have eternal life? Great question to ask, but the answer sometimes is a little more complicated than just pray a prayer. And somehow in America, we've reduced salvation to pray after me. Without saying there's a little bit more than trying to be good, do right, and keep some commandments. Really, here's the greatest issue Jesus is saying to him, it's not your money that I want, it's I want you to go all in with me. So if the guy wasn't rich, but he had 15 kids, and he came to Jesus and said, look, what good thing must I do to get saved? And he was so, so just giving everything to his kids that he had no time for God, I think Jesus would have said to him, here's what I want you to do. I want you to get a babysitter for a little while, and I want you to come follow me. I want you to make some time. Whatever the thing is, is the reason why you can't. Always remember that. You'll figure out what the thing is because you it'll be the thing that keeps you from. And it's not always the same. It's easy to point at this guy. Most of us in the room don't have the problem of rich. We can read this without any offense to us. There's a few people in here who are like, let's just move on from this one, Pastor. But most of us in here were like, oh, that is a great scripture because it doesn't, that's not in my way. What is in your way? What keeps you from going all in with Jesus? What stops you from giving everything? What, what can't you give up that won't allow you to go all in, to follow him with everything, with, 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 that won't allow you to be radical, that won't allow you to, to, to remove, what, what holds you instead of you holding it? What keeps you? Because that's what Jesus wants to put his finger on. It's not, money's not the bottom line here. It just happens to be this guy's issue. For some of us, it is an issue. Money is so important that we, here, here's the real deal. Whatever blinds you from Jesus, listen, will actually keep you from seeing the greater value that Jesus offers. If, you, if whatever holds you that you can't, I can't give that up, dude, that thing is, it's keeping you from seeing the ultimate value. And here's the thing. Well, can't we just pray about it? 
And I'm going to make the statement right now. Jesus doesn't pray for the guy. Jesus doesn't go, you know, you're right. Let's pray. Give me your hands. Jesus goes, you have a decision to make. You want to go all in? Then you've got to move this thing out of the way, and the decision's up to you. And the guy walks away sad. Now, I pointed out to my staff, maybe this is true. We don't get another slice of this guy's life. Maybe after a month of being miserable, he's like, you know what? Nothing is worth this. And maybe he did it. Don't know. Maybe he didn't. The Bible doesn't tell us. But it leaves us because all of humanity can relate to where this guy is at. There's always something when we finally realize, why am I not satisfied? Because only one thing it will ever satisfy. If you're like, well, I'm pretty good. Can you see? You know, at least I will say this for this guy. His spiritual eyes got opened up somehow to realize what I've got is not really satisfying me. Credit for that. But maybe it's worse to come to that place and then not be able to go all the way in because then you leave. First he comes dissatisfied, but he leaves sad. He leaves sad. He's a good guy. He feels something is wrong or missing. Doesn't know what to do about it, so he comes to God, and he probably doesn't get the answer that he thought he was going to get. Jesus actually offers the pat on the back initially, and the guy didn't want a pat on the back. You want eternal life? Keep the commandments. I'm doing it. Wait. That's why I'm here. He offers the pat on the back, but the guy didn't need a pat on the back. What he needed was to move the stuff out of the way so he could see. Does this make sense? Hmm. The problem, the rich young ruler could not see the greater value of going all in with Jesus. So I wrote it this way, whatever keeps us from Jesus will ultimately blind us to Jesus. Say it one more time. It doesn't have to be money. It can be a relationship. Whatever keeps us from Jesus will ultimately blind us to Jesus. It can be a habit. It can be a lifestyle. It can be a lot of things. It's the thing that keeps us from. I wrote it this way so that maybe this makes more sense if you're taking notes. What you have is always why you can't. And what you don't have will always be why you can. And if you don't get that yet, I'll move down to the other guy who was able to see. Let me just point this out to you. In the book of Revelation, when, when John, the apostle, writes this, um, this is written to a church. And actually, uh, in his letter, he writes to a number of different churches. But in particular, in this church... Now, now by the way, so, so the book of Revelation, somehow, people, when they, when, they, when they say this book, they just call it the Revelation. The actual title for the book of, the Re- of Revelation is, this is the Revelation of Jesus Christ. Somehow, we just call it Revelation, like it's the Revelation of the end of the world. And it's actually the Revelation of Jesus Christ. It's the Revelation of his return. It's the Revelation of what the world will look like. So he's actually writing about a church in the end times... 
And this, the, the context of this is important simply because uh, how did this church get in the position that they're in for Jesus to write this? Look what he says. You do not realize that you've become wretched, pitiful, poor. What's the word? So I, I, this, I, I just look. I'm not talking down. I'm not being accusatory. I'm just, I, I'm just pointing this out to you. So here, here, John writes to a church. The very fact that they're in church means that they can see, right? They've moved, right? That's why they're there. You don't realize that you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. And here's what Jesus, this is Jesus talking first person. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich. Look at this next part right here. Have white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness. Salve to put on your eyes so that you can what? It is possible to at one time see and then find yourself later on not being able to see. Yes, sir? Can you, do you see it? I mean, it's... Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Look at this right here. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Here's the only thing that I would point out to you in this situation. When this church started, Jesus is on the inside and somehow through time or whatever, he ends up on the outside trying to get back into his own church. How does that happen? And here's what we think. I know a church like that. It's not a physical building. It's a spiritual condition of people. And I'm just throwing out to you, is it at all within the probability of your understanding that at one time you can see something, but things can happen spiritually that get in the way to where Jesus has to confront us and say, you can't see, get it out of the way because what I'm trying to give to you will make you rich. You want to be rich? That's not making you rich. What I've got will make you rich. And then he doesn't offer, so let me pray for you. Here's what he offers. You've got to make a decision. Normally when this scripture right here uh, is given, so from the King James, it actually uh, begins, um, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And we usually use that for like salvation. Hey, if you're here, Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart right now. Open the door and let him in. True. But in this context, he's not knocking for the first time. This was his church. How did he get on the outside? How did he get on the outside? It, it, was there some spiritual, is there something that can happen to a person through time, events, life, living junk can it just happen where at one time dude you are hot and you can see and you are sensitive and then at another time you can be cold and indifferent and not going for it is it just possible huh so I put in the notes I won't not to to say it to anybody else let me let me tell you something about my spiritual condition before I started JFC, I was in a really dry place spiritually. Dry. And had been there for quite some time while doing the work of the ministry when I realized I am dry. So I began to say to God, 
what's wrong with my heart? How has my heart gotten cold and hard and indifferent? And you've got to change. Because here's the thing. None of us can change our hearts. The best this message can do is only make you realize, I can't see like I used to see. And I don't have a little prayer for you. Let me open your eyes. A decision has to be made ultimately. And I began to cry out to God, soften my heart again. God, what is wrong with me? Where's my, where's my hunger spiritually? Where's my appetite? Where's my desire? Why am I I'm doing? I've become a professional. A professional Christian. Like a coat I can put on and off. But it's not the beating heart on the inside of me that I got into this for. And I began to just cry out to God. So I felt like the Lord at one time, we, we had a prayer room at a church that I was serving at. Uh, man, I would love a prayer room. And we opened it 24 hours a day. You could get to it, access to it. And, and we had this, this, this prayer room. I would go early in the morning before anybody got there so I could just get in front of God. And here was what my prayer was like. I've, I've teased about this before, but I think people relate to it. I would lay on the floor before God, and I would cry out for his name, and it would sound as though all I could hear were crickets chirping, meaning I couldn't. It was like, here, here's how David described it in the Old Testament it's like the heavens are shut up with brass. I'll say something and it just echoes off the wall and comes back to me. You ever been there? Let's be honest with me right now. And I hope you know the difference. I hope you don't say that's how it's always been for me. And I cried out to God. And I just, I, I, I don't even, I can't remember right now if it was a one or two or three month drought during this prayer time, coming out of a law, you know what we do with drought? We tend to manage it rather than realize this isn't normal. Did you hear me? We manage it rather than realize this is not normal. And I, it spent, God didn't give me an easy out. I had to pursue him, I had to seek him, I had to call out his name, and I remember when he finally answered. I remember when he finally said, Okay, now, theologically, God is always with us, isn't he? Theologically, he's everywhere all at once. He was in that room. He lives in my heart. He's, he's as close as the breath of my nostrils. But some of you know what I'm talking about. It was cold. I don't know any other way to describe it. Here's what I've learned about my own spiritual life. At times, I have to stir myself up spiritually. I cannot just put it on cruise control and it's always going to be the same. At times, I have to stir myself up spiritually and there's tons of scriptures that back this up, but that's not the message for today. And number two, and this is important. Look at your notes right here. There are times I have to be renewed spiritually. In the book of Romans, Paul says, repent therefore, turn to God, so that he can blot away your sins and give you times of refreshing. Not to be freshed for the first time, but to be refreshed. All of us at times in our spiritual life need to be refreshed. How do you know when you need to be refreshed? When you're not fresh. <laughs> so what is that like? You're like the guy that comes and goes, something's missing. I'm doing all the stuff. I'm at church, and I'm reading my Bible, and I'm doing this app thing every stinking day, Pastor. 
and something's missing. And here's what I'm saying. When the relationship is like plugged in, the stuff is fun and it's pretty easy. When it's not plugged in, the stuff is difficult, cumbersome, and it's not life-giving. Because the stuff was never meant to be the stuff. Does that make sense? Huh. So let me, let me just quickly then give you a comparison of the other guy that we find in Luke's gospel. They, both stories come from Luke, but there's also an additional version in Matthew that I just used because of the wording. But let me pull this one from Luke. So this is a guy who can't see physically, but was able to see spiritually. As Jesus approached Jericho, for those of you who have been to Israel with me, think just for a moment, can you remember where Jericho's at? Remember you leave the Galilee, you got to go right by Jericho, and then you turn and you head straight up to Jerusalem. Jesus is leaving the Galilee on his way to Jerusalem and has to take the same path that we still take today. That's why I'm saying, when you go, you'll see it forever in a different way. You hear me say it, but if you go, I can think right now what it looks like. Can you? Okay. So Jesus approached Jericho. A blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. Now here's what we don't know. How long has this guy been begging? How old is this guy? Where's this guy at? I mean, how, has this been going on for 20 years or two months? But apparently, it's some known thing that is brought to us. So Jesus approached Jericho. A blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked the obvious question. What's happening? Well, why did he have to ask? Because he can't see. He's blind. So here's what they told him. Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And so the guy begins to call out from the roadside, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those who led the way, the ones who were with Jesus, begin to rebuke him. Shut up. Don't you realize that the one who could heal you is going by? Shut up. <laughs> they're, they're the ones who are supposed to know. Don't you think they should have, it should have been encumbered upon them. Jesus, there's a guy over here. But they're like, hey, we are on our way to Jerusalem right now. We cannot be bothered. Shut up. <laughs> so he calls out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet. I love this. And he had to make a decision right then and there. I love this. I wonder how many people would be shut down because other people told him, be quiet. This guy, here's what this guy recognizes quickly. Listen to this. Here's the difference between him and the rich young ruler. The rich young ruler had stuff that kept him from Jesus, this guy has nothing to lose. The other guy had everything physically to lose and he couldn't see the greater value in Jesus. This guy looks at his life and goes, I got nothing to lose. So he begins to yell louder, Jesus! <laughs> Son of David, have mercy on me. Look at the story right here. Jesus stopped. Like, I think I'm hearing something from God. Oh no, it's you, come over here. Come on, folks. That's funny. Jesus stopped, ordered the man. Some of you are like, oh, that's not very holy. This is a, can't you see how this unfolded? This poor guy said, Jesus! Wait. <laughs> when he came near... Jesus asked him, doesn't this seem like a silly question? Uh, what do you want me to do for you? I'm, I'm hungry. You got anything to eat? 
I mean, what, doesn't it seem like the most silly question in the world? Jesus, again, is putting it back on the guy. He knew exactly what the guy wanted, but he's putting it back on the guy's faith. The same dissatisfaction causes this guy to yell out, but there's a completely different reaction, isn't there? This guy recognizes something's missing. Hmm. What do you want me to do for you, Lord? I want to see, he replied. So Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and what? Jesus didn't even have to offer to him, get your sight and come follow me. And he offers the same deal to the other guy. Get your sight and come follow me. One guy could see physically, but he couldn't see spiritually. And the other guy couldn't see physically, but he could see really clear spiritually, couldn't he? So let me make the statement again using a comparison of these two guys and where they were at in life. Let me say it one more time. What you have will always be the issue of why you can't follow Jesus. It'll always get in the way. The thing that is more valuable to you than Jesus will always be the reason why you can't follow him and go all in. And let me say it the other way. What you don't have will always be the reason why you can go all in with Jesus. When you finally realize what you have is not more valuable than what Jesus offers, you'll move it out of the way instantaneously and you'll actually find the life that you're looking for. And you get to choose how you walk away today. And here's what we would like. Can't you just pray for me? Can't we just say a prayer? You always do that when you just say a prayer. Make it okay. Let me leave here okay. Okay will kill you. Okay can destroy our lives. Jesus doesn't want to make you okay. He wants you to go all in. He wants all you have not to disappoint you but because everything you want is when you go all in. That's why you were created. The realm of salvation is to say, who are you, Lord, and then to make a decision. But the realm of power, once you decide who's Lord, then you get to say, what do you want me to do? That's going all in. You can't ask the second until you decide the first. Do you understand what I just said? Everybody in this room, I want to know, why am I here? What does God want me to do? I'm so dissatisfied. You can't find it that way. Who's the Lord of your life? Once you make that decision and you get that out of the way, you go all in, you'll know exactly why you're here. You will go. <laughs> it is the satisfaction of why you exist. Do I make sense in what I'm saying? Mm. Here's what I knew when I wrote this and when I prepared it. It's such a spiritual ability to see that a person could sit in this room and not see anything that I'm saying right now. And another will have a chance to see. Hmm. I am going to pray, but I'm not going to pray to make it okay. I'm going to pray to bring you to a place of making a decision and you get to decide. Hey, for some of you, let me say this. If the question of going all in with Jesus, of really just God's putting his finger on something in your life and you know it, and you know you need to get it out of the way,
<laughs> let, let me tell you, whatever that thing is, do the opposite of what it wants you to do. If it's money, then give it. Because money wants you to hold it and worship it. And if it's a person, move it to the right place in life or get it out of your life, one of the two. Put him as number one. If it's a job, if it's a habit, do whatever it takes to move Jesus to be the thing that you live for. And there is no cure beyond that. So Father, that's where I leave the message. I'm tempted, God, to want to pray just to make it okay and to sort of kind of put a salve on something that sort of you open us up and put your finger in our heart. And I won't do that. Whom you love, God, you chasten, you discipline, you knock on, you, 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 you draw us back to yourself and you call us and all of us get to ask the question right now. Is Jesus number one? Is he everything? If there's anything that crops up in the way, you know. And it won't be the same for everyone. Here's my question. What do you want to do about it? Whatever it is, move it out of the way. Your reaction to that will be one of the two men who came to Jesus. If you love that thing more than you love him, it'll be your reason why you can't go all in. And if you're finally at a place in life where you're like, I got nothing else to lose, I need him then it'll be the very thing that you can move out of the way to come to him. What do you want to do? Sometimes that decision is not made in a moment. Although I would say this to you, the longer it takes, the more unlikely it is for you to go all in. In the moment when you hear the voice of the Lord call you and speak to you, that's the time to respond. What's God saying? You get to decide. You get to make the choice. You get to decide how you leave. Father, I leave this in your hands and I thank you for your faithfulness. Lord, I thank you that even in the middle of when you try our hearts, it's because you love us and you care for us. When you show us things, it's not because you're mad at us. It's because you're merciful towards us and you see the future that you want us to have and the thing that we hold on to that keeps us from having it. Lord, thank you for your mercy. It is your mercy that brings a person to repentance. The goodness of God brings a person to repentance. And Father, our hearts are open to you. We thank you for that now in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Pat.